the last couple of weeks, there's a, a few things that we've been looking at. Ugh, just get out of the way. I just feel like I want to walk and talk today. Um, we've, we've looked at church. What does church look like? What can it be? Because it's really important for us to know what church can be when we're making ourselves a part of a family. What is this? Can I buy into this? Can I buy into this place? What's the vision of this place? What's the heart of God behind this place? It's important for us to know that. And, and I think we had a really good look at that about two weeks ago. You know, the way that together, we're like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. We all come together to play our part. Last week we talked about how each and every one of us, no matter how wonderfully attractive and beautiful you may be or how disgustingly grotesque you might be, right, that we all actually are very much unique and we've got a part to play because of the giftings and the uniqueness that God's placed within us. Today, on that note, if, if that's the way church is supposed to work, if we've all got parts to play, then why is it that there are just some times in life where life can be so discouraging, where though I'm part of a church family, though I know I'm unique and I'm gifted, why is it that things fall apart? Ever been there where your season is just so... I wish... Sometimes I... I grew up in West Footscray. God redeems everything. There are some swear words that I think are okay. You may not, and I can't use them here, and it's really disappointing sometimes. Yeah? Because, like, geez, I'd love to. Oh... No, I won't do it, Sal. I won't, I won't, I won't. There are just some words, you know, that sometimes life's done. You know, see, that word, does, that word doesn't work, does it? It just doesn't have the same. Life's, let's say, shade. It's just shade. Sometimes life can be so bad and you can become so discouraged. But there are uh, just... There's some wonderful stories in the Bible and today, if anything, I want us to come away from today actually being encouraged that even when life's at its worst, no matter what's happening around us, there is a God that is totally in control. But when things are out of control, it's so hard to imagine a God that's in control. If you share with non-Christians, non-believers that God's in control, oh, he's in control, is he? Oh, he controls all the wars and all the deaths and all the famines and all the diseases... No, that, not that sort of control. He's just in control. He knows what's happening and he works inside of everything that happens, yeah, particularly in our own lives. So let's have a look. How are we going to see things if we're feeling discouraged? Well, First Samuel chapter 30. We're going to have a look at David and some of his men from verse 8. And it reads, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realised what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ananom from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. Captured. Verse 6, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. It's like, you know, if you play sport, your team's losing, the coach is in danger, you know, because <laughs> everyone's frustrated. This is a much bigger problem, but that sort of thing where the person leading gets the blame for what's happening around other people's lives. And they began to talk of stoning him, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? 
And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Father, I just ask that you would bless this message, that you would speak to us in a real way, a today word day, that we would walk away from this place encouraged by your goodness and your grace. Lord, that you would continue to shape us, mould us into the image of your Son, that with every experience and every season we would look more like him. So bless this house, bless those that are hearing, bless those that are watching at home. Father, bless these words, I pray in Jesus' name. So you've got David and his men, and they're fighting the enemy. They're actually, they're winning the battle. Yeah, they're fighting the enemy. And in fact, it says that they destroy and defeat the enemy. That, that this is how strong this, this army is. And if you read the story, they go, go on, they, they collect the spoils of war, you know, because that's what, if you raided a place and you won the battle and you took all the good stuff, you took all the 65-inch TVs that are 4K, you know, that run with HDMI 2.1 so you can have the best gaming experience ever. Like, you get all the good stuff. You leave all the Apple Mac stuff behind, you take all the, the good stuff, Yeah. Oh, you've got to tell a story sometimes. These guys were victorious, yeah? Life was looking and feeling great. But the interesting part of this story, that in their victory, in their winning, in life's success, when things around me look like it's actually playing out really, really well, in the middle of all of that, the enemy that they were defeating and getting on top of, the, the Amalekites, they, they weren't done yet. You know how if you're being defeated, there's always that one last gasp. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can make a change to what's happening in case I'm losing. So, so these guys knew that if David and all of his army, all of his men, if they're fighting us out in the front, that means there's no one back home protecting their loved ones. So they got a little bit shifty and they sent just a small group around the back of where the fight was happening, all the way back to David's hometown, so to speak. Yeah? And when they get there, these, these enemies, they attack and they take all the women and all the children. All of them. Every single one. They, they left not one. What you and I have to understand, what we have to wrestle with today, is this happened when life was good. This happened when they were obeying God, fighting the Amalekites and winning the battle. They were being obedient to God's word for their life. Things were exceptional, yeah? They were taking the spoils. Things were good. And in the midst of that goodness and God's favour, someone turns around, runs behind them and steals their women and children. The bad stuff, the season, the circumstance happened in the midst of God doing a good thing for them. So many of us get to places in our lives where things are going really well and then something happens and we go, what? How? Why? But it can't be. Maybe I didn't hear from God. Obviously I didn't hear from him because if I heard from him, then this wouldn't have happened. Of course you heard from God. How else were they winning? How else were they defeating the enemy, you know? And out of left field, bam, it, it, all the women and children of God, and, and I don't like this because it, it, it actually concerns me, the pictures that it draws in my mind, but verse 2 says in 1 Samuel 30, they had carried off the women and children and everyone else but without killing anyone. So what was their intention? What were they going to do with the women and children? 
You know, for, I, for those that know me, I love movies. So I really love that Liam Nielsen movie, Taken. I, I think it's a brilliant movie. But there are parts of it, not because you see anything, but because of what it conjures up in you, the thoughts that my wife Mel can't watch because when his daughter's taken and she's screaming being dragged from under the bed, because that's what this would have been like, yeah? This is, they would have been dragged, kicking and screaming, maybe some knocked out at the same time. Liam Nielsen's like, I've only got so many hours to do something because after that, my daughter's going to be sold into the slave, the sex trafficking market. Yeah? So in this case, what were these men, what was this army going to do with the women and children? And here's David in the midst. They're winning a war. The, the, the army, are like they, they looked up to David. They didn't worship him, but they worshipped him. They knew God was in control, but all of a sudden, their wives and their children are taken. And obviously, who can they blame but David? What, what were the thoughts that were going through their minds? What are they going to do with my wife? What about my, my daughters? What about my sons? Are they going to get them to work? What, what are they getting? Could you just imagine, like, I can't even utter, the, utter words or come up with scenarios without getting weepy because this is where they were at. And, and I often say sometimes we've got to put ourselves into the story because it's only then we actually really see and realise how much God loves us in amongst all of that pain. He didn't orchestrate any of this, but he's certainly a part of it all. You know, I, I need us to, to fully understand what we're reading because verse 4, verse 4 reads, They wept until they could weep no more. You ever had a season where things are so, so bad, so discouraging that you've wept and wept and wept that it feels like there are just no tears left, that you're numb, you're just numb. These men, these strong warriors that were fighting a battle for God and winning are now weeping where they could weep no more. Numb. Numb to what's happening around them. And, and could you imagine the thoughts in the midst of that trial, the raw feelings of emotion? This, you know, discouragement, rage, anxiety, depression, anger. All of it that would have been flooding. I mean, there are just some seasons in life that are just so overwhelming. I, I, I love, I love that this place, you know, I, I, yes, I'm biased. I can't help but be biased. I think every, every minister, every church member of any house should be biased for where, where they call home. I love it that we're a house for the broken, that this is a safe place for all people, regardless of the season that we're in, regardless of how you're living your life. It doesn't matter what people are judging or not judging. Don't worry. It's a safe place to come and connect and find God. Yeah? And sometimes life is just so, so overwhelming and we've got no tears left. There's, there is no understanding. Like, we would use the words in my day anyway, I'm spent. I'm done. I've got, I've got, nothing, I've got nothing left. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no reserve tank in this car. <laughs> it's, I've just used up every drop of fuel, you know. You've cried all the tears. You've lost a child. You're losing a loved one. You've lost your home. You've been sacked from work. I don't know. Your health isn't great. You've got a terminal illness. Someone you love has a terminal illness. And you've cried and you've cried and you've cried and you've called out to God, yet the situation is real. The women and the children are gone and now I'm just left. 
and I'm frustrated, I'm discouraged. I can see no way out. David, David experienced this firsthand. I, I guess that's why he wrote Psalm 56. Because Psalm 56 verse 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. Someone needs to know this today. He keeps track of all your sorrows, all of them. He keeps track of all your sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. You know that, that movie Shack that I talk about from time to time? I love at, at one point where the person playing the Holy Spirit has a little vial, a little, little bottle, and she goes up to the main character as he's weeping, and she just puts it under his eyes, and she says, these are important. We collect every one. And then later on in the movie, they use that to bring life to his life. It's a really, it's a lovely depiction. But God knows every time we've been in that place of brokenness and there's nothing left and we're just crying. He's collected every one. Like, I, I love the fact that he just must have bookshelves. No, no digital imprint in heaven, yeah? <laughs> no cloud. It is the cloud. All these just bookshelves full of different vials. There's Andrews. Oh, Oh, he takes up a whole shelf. You know, like... And we can't help in those moments, in that despair, in that sorrow, you know, just to wonder, man, why am I going through this? What, what's going on at the moment? You know, David was discouraged. He was depressed. And he was down. But somehow there was enough left in him, something left in him, that he, though he was down, he wasn't out. He's feeling the same amount of emotion that everybody else is, that, that, that raw stuff. His wife, wives and children are gone, as with everyone else's. They are now blaming him. But somehow, in amongst wearing all of that, he has a sense in, in that discouragement to know what to do. I mean, I, I just, if some of us could only know what to do when we're in the middle of our discouragement. Yeah? He knows how to overcome he, he knows how to overcome the pain. He knows, he, he knows well, he's probably that song that we even sing in this house. You know, I, I've, just, I've just got just one trick, just one move, with arms open wide, yeah? He somehow sees hope. So do we, do we actually see it? When, when stuff's so bad in our life, when the women and children of our lives have been stolen, when stuff's been lost, to the enemy, when, when it just seems like everything is so crud, can we still see hope or is all we see what's going on around us? You know, this is a season where, where I guess we could be feeling like David and his men. But David knew that it wasn't over. He, he knew that he had to trust his father, but it wasn't just a head knowledge. So many of us have got head knowledge of God. But it's more than that. Because I don't know how many times someone has said to me in, over the years, don't worry, just trust God. He's in control. That's okay, great. But have you ever said that to someone else and they get offended? Because all they can see is where they're at. You're saying, I'm telling you, God's got this. I can't believe you're so insensitive. I, 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 can't, I, I can't believe that you would say that. Well, why didn't you comfort me? I am. Look, there's a reality here. There's a, there's a fact that I'm living in, but there's a reality here. It's called the heavenly reality. And, and God's in control. Because the Father he skillfully, in amongst all of this brokenness, all of this mess, start, he prunes us, he forges us, he, he moulds us. And sometimes that 
That in itself is not nice. It's not kind. You, play, who's played with Play-Doh? Who's squeezed it? Who's poked their fingers through it? Who sometimes flatten it out and then because it's a really thick piece and just you're just playing, you just... Who's ever smashed it out? You know, God moulds us. God shapes us. God cuts us. Oh, don't need that piece of Play-Doh. Well, that hurt a little bit. He just does that. And, and David allows him to do that. David allows him to do a work. I mean, it says in verse 6, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. They began to talk of stoning him. Man, faithful, loyal servants they are, loving the king. We're going to stone you. Well, thanks very much. I'll say this. There are times when your friends and your family may not understand you, they may not understand your faith. But be encouraged. Because if they hated Jesus, why are you surprised if they're frustrated and angry or hate you? Just putting it out there. Yeah? Just putting it out there. David, then it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. He was in great danger. He was alone. Everyone was against him. The men who swore their loyalty wanted to stone him and kill him. His friends came against him. There was no one to encourage him, and so he strengthens himself in the Lord. What does that mean? It means that he encouraged himself in God. He encouraged himself in God. Today, maybe there are some people watching at home, maybe it's someone here, maybe someone needs to encourage themselves in your season, in your circumstance right now in God. Just maybe. In the midst of his great distress and pain, he knew that where he found himself, he didn't have to stay. Where you find yourself today, you don't have to stay. You can if you like. It's not really smart, probably stupid. You don't have to stay in your pain and in your heartache. You don't have to stay in your distress. What's happening around you won't change. It may change. God can change it. That won't change. But the reality is that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he's still faithful and he's still good. You don't have to stay in that same place. Yeah? David knew he didn't want to feel like this anymore. And you and I, we have to know that we don't have to stay there, that in our hurting, in our pain, if we will trust in God somehow, if we would choose, like David, to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, to encourage ourselves in him, healing can come. You know, he was alone, he was in despair, he was angry, he was discouraged. And you know what? That's what the enemy wants. Why are we so surprised when life throws lemons at us? The enemy doesn't like God. The enemy doesn't like Jesus. Do you love Jesus? That in turn, that means he doesn't like you. How's that? You've got someone that doesn't like you. You're not perfect after all. Yeah? Isn't it good that we sang a song that, hey, we're not perfect, but he chooses us again anyway, and again, and again, and again. The enemy wants us to live in that place of despair and discouragement because if we can get angry enough at our situation, this is how it works, I'm telling you. You deal with people long enough, this is how it works. You get angry at your situation, at what's happening. Eventually, you can't blame yourself anymore, so you'll blame everybody else around you. So you get angry at everybody else. And when everybody else says, I can't help you, and they walk away, there's no one else left to blame but God. 
You stay angry and discouraged long enough in your situation and you will be angry at the people around you and eventually you'll be angry at God because you've not shifted, because you've not moved, because you've not trusted him. That's what the enemy wants to do. That's where the enemy wants to keep you. But David sees a better end to his story. I don't know how he did that. If, I mean, I remember as a dad when my kids would get... You know when you lose your kids in a shopping centre? They're just somewhere. And normally they're just hiding, you know, because they're little beeps, right? And they just want to stir you up on the inside and they're underneath those round, you know, where they hang all the shirts and they're, you know, they're just sitting there looking through it. And you're like, hello, Samuel. Hello, Faith. Hey, Nathan. And you're like... <laughs> It's not like, it's not like, <laughs> it's cheeky, right? They're, they're hiding and all of a sudden your heart starts going. <laughs> and then you start yelling, oh, you see my son? And then they go, I'm here. And they wonder while you look at them with a death stare like you're going to rip their heart out. You nearly, got, you nearly fainted in the store because they were missing. In the midst of his pain, his wives and his children have been stolen. The thoughts that were running through his head, people wanting to kill him, and somehow in that he knows that there's still hope. Man, I want that, I want that faith. I, I want that faith. You know, when everything else seems like it's done and dusted, I want that faith. Then you know what? <laughs> it's a shambles. But I know he's got it. Man, it's falling apart. I know he's got it. I don't know how it's going to work out. I, know, I, just, I just have to know he's got it. The scripture says he strengthened himself in the Lord. God, God I love it that it was his only way out. There was no other answer. And for some of us, we have to learn. We, we almost have to be backed up into a corner where there's no way out so that we can learn to trust God. You know, maybe some of us are in the... And I'm not saying this, but maybe life has got us into a corner because we've never learned to trust God. And so the enemy's found it really easy to corral us into places where we're full of despair and discouragement. Just Maybe. But David, David thought to himself, he told himself there is still one who is above all things. Yeah, amen. There's still one that is before all things. There's still one that can help me in this situation as desperate as it seems. And that's God. David could see that there was hope in the midst of his season, in the midst of his pain. But do we live there literally? Or do we just live there in thought and say, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I can when we're not there. But when we are, we are there, we do the Kermit the Frog. Ah! Anyone ever done a Kermit the Frog? Come on, man. I do more Kermits than anything else. It's more like Kermit the Toad now, right? But it's still, you know, ah! because life's just falling apart. <laughs> David knew something. He was in control. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew. He was willing to accept that I'm not happy with the situation, but I know that God's now doing a work in me. I know that he's going to use this for good. I know that he's going to do something inside of me because I know that somehow in my pain, he's still in control. Yeah. 
He's sovereign, even in pain, even in troubles. When we're in the midst of that tribulation, his love is still transforming us. It's still perfecting us. Yeah? It's still completing us. James 1, 2 and 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Oh, flippin' heck, are you for real? Like, let's just skip through the tulips, yeah? Oh, look, life's falling apart. <laughs> Thank you, God. Like, seriously. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. No, I won't sing. For, you know, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You and I are on a journey in the midst of our seasons to a place of completion before we go home. Yeah? He truly does use all things for good for those that love him. You know, we're being changed with ever-increasing glory into his likeness. Amen? David could trust him. He could trust, he could trust in a God that he couldn't see. He could trust in a God that wasn't living within him like us. Yeah? He's not from that dis- our dispensation. He's Old Testament. He had to trust what he saw. He had to trust the times that God spoke to him that came upon him. It was different for him. And yet he had this, this trust. You know, sometimes when we're discouraged, maybe we've forgotten something so powerful that God is able. You know, in the same way that he produced manna for the Israelites in the desert, you know, every morning, I, we have to believe that he can supply our needs, emotional and physical. We've got to believe it. Otherwise, we're going to do everything in our own strength. And we'll wonder why we're running around in circles doing a Kermit the Frog when we're frustrated and alone and discouraged. It's in this, these seasons that we need to seek him daily, trust him to provide what we need. You know, Psalm 9 and 10, this, this is actually a really lovely scripture, but it's actually, it, it can be a, a scripture that can bring some conviction to your heart. Because it says, those who know your name will trust you. I would say, if I was to ask everyone now, do you know Jesus? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Then why is it that there are moments in time when all of us here, we've not uttered the words, I don't trust you, God, but we've acted and reacted, reacted in a way where we've not trusted him. Yeah. It is hard. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Maybe we just need to seek him in those times of despair, in those times of discouragement. When life throws us lemons, let's use that old adage, let's make lemonade, yeah? In with God and with him. When things around us are escalating, we need to see Father through it all. You know, our strength of character is actually being forged in the trials. You know what I, I love? Because Lockie's here probably with one of the kids, but he's, he's actually worked, you know, over a, a forge, one of those big, really super hot ovens as a blacksmith. Yeah, he's done that, done that for years. In fact, he's built one in his home. I, I think it's so that he can forge his own chains and lock people up there when he's not happy with them. I'm not sure exactly why, but he's, done, he's got this, this forge at the back of his place so he can utilise his blacksmith skills, yeah? But the, the thing that I know, only from reading, never by experience, because I don't want a third degree burn like my son has at the moment from work, but when we're, when we're, when we're in the midst of these seasons, what, the way that a blacksmith works when he's forging you know, 
tools made of steel and, 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 and iron, they use this extreme heat. And when things get to a hot enough temperature, they then take a, a hammer, if you will, and they bang the living life out of it until they shape it into what they want. Like they absolutely smash it. Not to smithereens, but into what they see with their eyes. You know, and it's in that, that, that high intense heat pressure it, that all the forging, all the moulding, all the shaping happens. God doesn't want us to go through tribulation. God does not desire for us to go through trials. He is a good father. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't put you through evil tests. That is ridiculous. He doesn't make a person sick to see if they have faith. When people share a faith like that with you, please, just from my heart, slap them. Yeah? And tell them that that's actually bad theology. It's really bad theology, but when we're going through those things, he is ever-present, and he will use those things to shape within us the image of his son, Jesus. He uses, he uses the trials to develop a genuine faith, a strength of character. He, he lets nothing, nothing go to waste. You know, I've learnt that over the years, and it's a hard and beautiful truth, but that, that oven... That, that, that forge, it's in that place, in that place of hardship that God transforms us. It's not just in our good times, it's mainly through our struggles that God does such a beautiful work. If it took the cross for Jesus to be resurrected, for mankind to believe in him, for the act in itself to have power to redeem us, then why do we think it would be anything less for us? We just need to know, like the Lord when he was on the cross, that he was still trusting the Father. And like David in this, in this moment, we need to trust in him. You know, First Peter chapter 1 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief <laughs> in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus is revealed. I love that. That for me, I love that. How, how are we going to worship God in the midst of our trial? How are we going to bring glory to, our, to his name in the midst of our circumstance? Because let's face it, regardless of how bad any of us have it, regardless of the situation that you're in and how despairing it is, there is someone else somewhere else that's worse off than you. So how can you, in your place, bring glory to God? That when people in the community that don't know Jesus look to you and go, heck, I don't know how you do that. How, how in your pain can you still say that he's a loving God? How in your circumstance can you still trust in him? Because. <laughs> Simply because. Because God who's infinitely wise, superbly skilled, knows just how to care for us, doesn't he? So our role and goal is to trust in him, especially when we're discouraged. You know, Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed where? In us. We so, ah, life sometimes, you know. We, we so picture life and, 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 and get an, an impression of life, but what, what, what we see on the outside. 
But it's, it's this treasure. It's, it's this thing, this glory that will be revealed in us. In us. So our, our circumstances, how horrific they might be, are actually doing something within us that's going to be glory, bring glory to the Father and draw men and women to the saving grace of Jesus. And I love this. Because of David's mindset, he has the sense of mind to say to the priest, Hey, in verse 7, then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders which I will catch? And, and I, don't, I don't have time to get into it. I just don't because there's two minutes left, two and a half minutes. But the priests inquired of the Lord, not the kings. Yeah? So what they would wear, what he's asking Abiathar is what... Abiathar would wear the ephod when he inquired of the Lord. And David saying, bring that to me. I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Now, Abiathar probably should have fought him and said, no, 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 that's not right. But maybe out of respect for the king, he gives him the ephod and David wears it. Somehow David knew in Old Testament, he knew that, you know what? It's not up to the Pope. It's not up to the ministers. It's not up to those sitting in the green seats. It's not up to the leaders, the elders. The, it's not up to the pastors. It's not up to those men of God that have studied. They're great. They can lead me into the things of God, but it's up to me in my pain to go before the Lord and seek him. Man, if only people would stop trusting it. Don't trust me. I like sausages. You know, I eat meat. Like, I don't know, I go for the bulldogs, I drive a Holden. I can lead you to the things of God, but if you want to seek him, yes, amen, we can get people that will bring a prophetic word, but if you need to seek him, just sit and talk. Yeah. Grab the ephod, put it on, inquire of him. Man, and I love that he does this. He prays and he gets an insight. He gets answer. And we know because I read it before that God says, surely chase them and you know what? You're going to get them all back. Oh, amen. Now I know that that's not always the outcome. We're going to get them all back. But he heard from God. And you know why David is such an inspiration? In the midst of his pain, in the midst of inquiring to God, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't do this. He never says, why? Why, God? Why? He doesn't even question it. I reckon I question everything. Boys, why are you doing that? Mel, why did, why did you change the recipe? Why did you take that road? Why did you park there? Why did you do that? Why are you asking me? Like I often say that people ask me stuff at church. Hey, we want to do this in the church. Why are you asking me? Okay, do it. Hey, it didn't work. Why are you telling me? You know why he never asks why in his discouragement. And you know why? Because who, 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 who we need to that we need to seek the Jesus that we need to look to in the midst of our pain. The who always trumps the why, and always trumps the why. The who that we're praying to is greater than any why's in our life. Full stop. The who that we're praying to may never actually answer the why question. Why? Imagine if Jesus said it on the cross, Father, why am I here? He never asks the why. He just trusts the who. Because who is for us, who is not against us, and that who is Jesus, yeah? No matter the reason for the discouragement, you and I need to look to Jesus. 
And the Lord answers and says, and, I, and the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Man, it's only when we focus our, our attention on him that we get the answers that we need. You know, we can fix our eyes on our circumstances, but that's just going to keep us upset and discouraged. My wife and my children, we're never going to get them back. The house that we lost, my partner that's sick, never going to recover. You know what? I don't have answers looking at the situation. I just need to trust in him and fix my eyes on him. See, our discouragement becomes a way for, for his treasure that he's working within us, his glory that's going to be revealed within us to shine out through us because he's moulding us in that, in that forge like a blacksmith. And you and I, like, accept it or not, we're broken vessels. <laughs> we're broken vessels. But as broken vessels of clay... Man, his glory is about to shine through every crack. Praise God for every broken person that walks into this house because the glory of God that gets seen from those people is greater than those that walk in without any cracks. Yeah? Because they allow that, man, whether they want to or not, when God starts to do a work, the light shines through as he's repairing and restoring and redeeming stuff. You know, that's why I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He wants to do a work in us. Amen. Why don't we stand? Amen. And we're just going to pray. We're going to pray that we're going to allow God to do a work in us. We're going to pray that we can see as he sees and what he sees in us, the uniqueness in us. I want to pray that we have the same level of faith and some that David had that in the midst of my trial and tribulation that I can still have the sense of mind somehow to turn to him and to pray to him and to seek him. Amen? Because it's his strength we need. It's his encouragement we need. So let's close our eyes, if you will. Pray any way that you need. If your eyes are open, that's okay. I'll just get distracted that way. And for me, let's hold out our hands. And I just think it's a beautiful way of saying, God, I'm ready to receive what you have for me. I'm ready to receive what you want to pour out over my life. You know, I also think it's one of those things. You ever seen anyone try to... You know, pray to God with clenched fists. just doesn't work, you know. You, to receive something, I always do, always do it to my kids and particularly my wife, even if the package is only this big, you know, put out your hands because I want to put something in there. And God wants to put something into our hands this morning. So Holy Spirit, we pray this morning, God, according to the scriptures, Lord, that like David... He strengthened himself in you. Help us in our turmoil, in our trial, in our tribulation, in our seasons, God, to strengthen ourselves in you, that we may encourage ourselves in you when there is no one else, that we would know what to do when we don't know what to do, and that is to come to you. And so, God, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, into those spaces and places. Father, you know the brokenness that, Lord, that... Each and every one of us carries, you know, the situations that are in our lives. You know what we're traversing, God. You know what we're going through. Lord, you know the heartache, God. You, you just know. Father, you know. God, I thank you, Lord, this morning you've shown us that, Lord, even when life's good, when something goes astray, Lord, it's not because of you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, that, Lord, that we would continue to fight the good fight against the enemy. 
And Lord, as some of us continue to fight discouragement in our own lives, God, depression even in the situations that we're in, Father, I pray right now, God, that you would fill us with your spirit. God, that you would fill us to overflowing. Lord, continue to place people in our lives that will speak life, words of life and life abundant that we would step into all that you have for us. Lord, we may not always understand, but Lord God, allow us to place that ephod upon ourselves that we might inquire of you and hear from you. We just thank you, God, that you are a good God. I thank you, Father, for the example of David. I thank you all that you want to do within us. So Lord God, this day, bring peace. Lord, in the same way you brought peace to David, bring peace to each and every one of us in this house. Peace in our minds and peace in our hearts that we will be able to see all that you see, all that you purpose, all that you have envisioned, God, all that you've planned. And Lord, we give this wonderful Sunday full of sunshine to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Yeah. So let's focus on him. Let's have a wonderful day. Yeah.